This is the 315 Podcast. My name is Keith and Chris is alongside with me. Welcome to what we believe could be a life-changing podcast for you. Our topic today is a topic of gender identity. I want to say on the very front end of this podcast that we do not have uh, every angle about every person's feelings. We don't uh, we don't understand everywhere everyone is. Uh, but as, as Chris, you're going to share in just a moment as we talk about uh, different uh, definitions and things, that we come at this from a heart of love. First Timothy 1.5 says the, the aim of our charge is love that, that stems from a pure heart. And so our heart is to help people in the 315 podcast. And the issue of the day uh, for particularly the younger 18 to 30 years of age is the issue of gender identity. And as you talk about that, begin us with definitions and so that we can get on the same page. Yeah, when we uh, started talking through this, uh, as you mentioned already, it is a sensitive subject. So we uh, want to clarify that we are taking, um, you know, this time to say how uh, we understand. And there's some things that we may come to light with uh, even after the podcast. And we can come back and, and address those at another time. Uh, but as we go through this, there are some definitions I wanted us to get out in front of uh, that both we looked at on the uh, LGBTQ uh, website, but also uh, through some books that we're using as resources as well. So I'll give the definitions as is written by them and accepted by them, and then I'll also give um, some other definitions as well uh, that we can work through. Uh, the first one I wanted us to uh, discuss is gender identity. It says on their website, uh, one's innermost concept of self as male, female, a blend of both, or neither how individuals perceive themselves, and what they call themselves. One's gender identity can be the same or different from a sex assigned at birth. Uh, Now, another book that I've used in this uh, preparation uh, was one called Gender Ideology, What Christians Need to Know by Sharon James. So Sharon uh, identifies gender identity as this. She referred to it as, uh, this refers to a way uh, individuals perceive themselves or wish to name and identify themselves. So when a person's subjective gender identity conforms to their objective biological sex. And this also, for most people, is referred to as cisgender, which means cis, the side that you're of. Um, another definition that I want us to be mindful as we go through this is gender expression. Um, so the the way that they describe it on the website is, External appearance of one's gender identity, usually expressed through behavior, clothing, haircut, or voice, and which may or may not conform to socially defined behaviors and characteristics, typically associated with either being masculine or feminine. Um, On uh, Sharon's book, she refers to it as a psychological or social aspects of how masculinity or femininity are presented. Um, in, th- in things such as dress, social roles, demeanor, and other cultural gender norms. So the, uh, there's in, in these definitions, there are a lot of overlap of, of mm-hmm. similar standings. Uh, another definition would be that of transgender, which means an umbrella, uh, or as they describe, an umbrella term for people whose gender identity and or expression is different from the cultural expectations based on the sex they were assigned at birth. Being transgenders does not imply any specific sexual orientation. Therefore, uh, transgender people may be identified as straight, gay, lesbian, um, or bisexual. And on here, 
um, transgender falls into an umbrella term um, from people who are born either female or male um, who uh, whose gender identity differs from their biological sex and who want to express that gender, uh, which they identify through cross-dressing, uh, cross-hormone therapy, and or sex reassignment surgery. Um, and this term transsexual is sometimes used interchangeably with transgender uh, and sometimes used only if those who seek medical assistance to transition also those who identify as bigender, pangender, omnigender, gender fluid, gender diverse, um, or agender. Uh, so you can see we, we are talking about a lot of sensitive uh, things here. And then another one that I think would be key as we move on in, the, uh, in our podcast is that of gender dysphoria. Um, as it is defined um, on the uh, website, it's defined as clinically significant distress caused when a person's assigned birth gender is not the same as the one in which they identify. According to the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, of mental disorders, the term which replaces gender identity disorder. It, it is intended to better characterize the experiences affected of children, adolescents, and adults. And on here, the gender dysphoria is mentioned as, uh, this is the latest diagnostic uh, term for the distress experience by those who psychological or emotional gender identity differs from biological sex. It replaces the former term of gender identity disorder, um, it, which saw the mismatch of uh, itself as a psych psychiatric um, disorder. Now, however, it is only the distress um, caused by the mismatch and regarded as a disorder, not the mismatch itself. Wow. Th those are a lot of terms. I, I know those of you who are uh, listening, maybe the way I am, I'm oftentimes want to get over to the practical side. Yes. And uh, next week, next Thursday, our broadcast will be focused on how we handle uh, these issues, how we interrelate to each other. There's a book we'll use next week, uh, we'll quote from called Messy Truth, uh, which is a tremendous help in that. And there'll be some other resources we give you. But today, we, we want to focus on the front end. We're identifying gender identity. And then we also we want to see what does God's Word say. Uh, of, of the terms we, we identified, Chris, together, the, the one that maybe if there's an older generation listening, when they hear the word gender, uh, and, I, and I'm quoting right, right from Messy, the book of Messy Truth, that the word gender itself is a synonym for biological sex. So an older generation would probably say, so what are you talking about, whether I'm man or woman? Whereas in, we would say in a gender role in this day, I, I, I do want to insert here that we we are certainly doing our best uh, to be kind. Uh, we're learning as well. We're not learning, and I want you to hear this, we're not learning a different way of what the Bible says. What we're learning is how that we properly minister. But you can't minister if you, if you don't know the terms and know where you're coming from. Uh, and, and so the thing that struck me while you were you were talking as far as giving these def definitions, what really stuck to me is this, that what, whether you identify with what I call a, a biblical gender view or a non-biblical gender view, 
both both views have this same thing that's got jumped out to me. They both say there's male and female. They, they don't say that there there's there's a third. So it, it's coming from there's some origin that they're taking that from. Yeah, and from a biblical side, uh, that origin is found really in two places right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's found in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27, then again after the fall in Genesis chapter 5. Um, and so Genesis 1, 26 reveals to us that God said, Let's, let us make man in our image. So God created uh, man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Um, And then in Genesis 5, uh, the later part of verse 1 through verse 2, it says, When God created man, he made him in his likeness. Male and female, uh, he created them and blessed them and named them man, uh, which they were created. And so right here at the beginning of the Bible, we understand uh, that when God created, uh, he's the one who assigned the, uh, the biological sex that we come to uh, to terms with today, and that is the male and the female. As, as you listen to this, you may say, well, why do you believe the Bible? If you go back to episode one, we actually deal with the Bible, why we believe the Bible. So I hope you go back and, and listen to that. That'll kind of give you some perspective. So we say that we believe that God ordained what the gender identity would be, the, the male or female. So what takes place is if you have a non-biblical view, that means either it started somewhere else or that you would say it, if, if you believe that God created it, that maybe God was wrong. Uh, and that, that's an important point in this. Yeah, and when we talk through gender expression um, mm-hmm. or identity, uh, that is where a lot of people fall that have struggled um, in this that we've come to find through our research is that it's not just... Um, that, you know, they don't like themselves from the inward, but there's a an identity um, thing that they're working through that it could be uh, more of, well, maybe the, a mistake was made or maybe this isn't the only way for me. And so they're searching for answers in there and they're searching for uh, truth within themselves and, and they're looking everywhere to find that complete, uh, completeness. So when someone comes and says, uh, so let's, let's just use this scenario. Let's say it's a it's a blended family, and uh, the the daughter comes to who is the biological child of the mother, but not the dad, and that's that's often in blended yeah. families today. And she comes and she says to her mom, I, "I I know what the Bible says, but I feel this way." Now I want you folks to hear this and. and and Chris, as leading our Family Life Pod and as students particularly, when that child says, I feel this way, sometimes parents say, you shouldn't feel that way. Is that a legitimate feeling that they have in that moment? Yes, I believe it is a legitimate feeling. Um, And oftentimes uh, when we're uncomfortable with talking through something, then we uh, will be quick to dismiss it or Mm -hmm or make it seem like it's irrelevant, or they don't know what they're talking about. But through this this subject, what we have to come to realize is that there are a lot of people who are searching for answers here. That's exactly right. And so when we talk with the child, I'm reminded of my relationship with my sister even in this, in the conversation that we've had with her, because she also has struggled with 
uh, with this herself. And, and, and the response she gives is, I have this feeling on the inside that I cannot control. And what the Bible would indicate is that from, the, from our inward being, um, that this is a result of the fall. Mm-hmm. It's a result of, of sin. Because, you know, as we talked about, God made, um, he, he made male and female. Um, and then uh, in Mark 19, 4 and Mark 10, 6, Jesus also says this. Have you not read um, that he who created from the beginning created male and female? And so it's, it's reaffirmed that there are, uh, as you mentioned, uh, just two genders affirmed in Scripture. But there's also a purpose for those genders mm-hmm. as well and the roles that they, they would play. As, as you think about that, and, and we'll get to that, because I want to back up for a moment, because you and I and, and folks that listen, please, please help us, be gracious to us too, because we're coming, both of us, you not as early as I, but we both come from a viewpoint that most of our lives we've been exposed to the, the, the biblical view. And so if we had not, there'd be questions we'd have on the front end. And, and I hope that that folks are are reaching out to us and will that they'll reach out with their questions at 315 uh, at jacksonfbc.com. They can with their questions. But I, I want to focus for in the moment back at that feeling when that you know that feeling they have that's genuine inside of them, whereas someone in, in my generation would have would have said, well, you know. Just make sure they're they're not that way. That's a wrong feeling, uh, and they would celebrate sin if if a young guy had premarital sex as long as he wasn't the other way. But as you go back and you you look at where it's progressed, what we have now is that people just don't know why. And it's when I think about the why of all that. Why did she have that feeling? It goes back that when we created by God, we had different feelings. Yes, they, they they were that was where, where it goes back uh, because if people buy in that this is the way we always were, I would identify then to say, you know what, that's legit. Mm-hmm. But if if it was a different way, then something happened, and that was the the fall that you were talking about. Yeah, it's and and, and you have a good point there is because uh, what we realize is when when God created Adam and Eve and assigned their genders at that point, He did so in a perfect unity. Adam and Eve walked with God. Um, they had daily conversations with God. They, they knew him in a personal level. So when they ate of the forbidden fruit, uh, that's where the fall comes from. They, they ate and they chose uh, to disobey. And so because of that, there's implications of that. First being they had to own the fact that they've done mm-hmm. it. Uh, God walked in and, and brought them forward and they confessed to that. Another thing is, is that uh, there had to be consequences mm-hmm. for that sin. Um, and, and so we know uh, that through that they were removed from the garden, so they were removed from uh, perfection uh, in, in that daily uh, interaction with God. I was going to be severed because of their disobedience. And not just that, uh, there was going to be a rift uh, between the, the man and the woman in that moment as well. Yeah, and we talked about that in, in the second episode. Let me intercept a quote. It was we said earlier that we wanted to make sure we we cited sources correctly. Uh, One of the great resources that we use often is is Wayne Gruden's Systematic Theology. You say, well, why do I want to use something like that? It all begins with who God is and how we relate to that. He he writes, uh, 
on, on page 463 uh, in, in his book on, on the section of the creation gender. He says this, the curse, now defining terms, the curse that when, when man disobeyed God, the curse, the curse was that God said, no longer will you be the way you were because now you've introduced this into the paradigm. He says this, and I quote, the curse brought a distortion of previous roles, not the introduction of new roles. You say, well, wh- why do you say that? Well, in Genesis 3, these new these distortion of roles, for example, we talked about it, uh, episode 2, that Adam was responsible, but now Eve wanted to take that role. And what ends up happening as, as part of the, the distortion, the, the longer something's distorted, now I, I believe this is true, before long, the distorted replaces the original, and you seem to you seem to say this is the way it is. Here, here's a mechanical illustration of that. If 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 there's an eight cylinder vehicle, and the plugs are working and everything's in line, it's it's running at maximum capacity. But if one plug comes loose or you have one uh, one part of it, the electrical system goes bad, it's only firing on seven. But if you choose to do nothing about it. After about six months, you'll even forget that there's actually more to this. And, and so we, we are now, if you believe in a young earth, that's a whole different episode. We're 6,500 to 7,000 years away from the, the role that God said. And so the distortions in every generation, I want you to over into this, the distortions of the roles God said, not just in gender but in everything, continues to change, and, and some would say evolve, but they continue to change as we fall away. Why is that? Well, uh, in every generation, the culture changes as okay. well. And so culture uh, during this time and in, in even, you know, up until the recent maybe even 50 to 100 years um, or so, uh, the, the roles for men and women uh, were more accepted than they are now. Uh, and, and, and so the, the shift has been over the years um, has been more of a, an empowerment. Um, you can live separate and provide um, equalness, uh, equal opportunity in, in all of that. And, and sometimes we have failed in, in the church in, in understanding or helping walk uh, both our sisters and brothers through a biblical understanding of gender roles because a, a lot of times we make it seem as one is greater than the other instead of that it is a representation of Christ and in the church. And so because of that, there's always been a push or a fight um, to change the normative or change the biblical normative of of how we would look at things. And so for that, um, it it also breeds in, well, if we can change this, what else can we change? Um, And so that's why... Uh, this subject uh, that we're talking about, though it is very sensitive, um, some may view it as even a fad. Um, and, and I would say to that person that this isn't a fad because the struggle with the intention of God's will has been there since the fall and will always be the mark of a fallen world. And so it's not a fad to be in disobedience to God. It's a reality of who we are as individuals because we'll naturally want to be in that disobedience. And so when we look at it from that lens, then we can also look at this and say, all right, that makes more clarity now that people that um, were once maybe not as empowered to speak out are now. And so they're using their voices 
um, in their platforms through social media and other avenues to voice it louder than they would have before those things came along. You know, I've just recently finished a year-long study of spiritual awakening, the, the church, which is 2,000-plus years of history plus the Old Testament, all the way back to the time of Abraham. And one of the things that has made me think about is where there's an absence of light, darkness takes over. But not only does it take over, it begins to affect everything. And uh, uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, sp speaking about our enemy, Satan, says, in the case of the lost, the gospel is veiled because they're perishing. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so it's not just in uh, gender identity. Gender identity, I believe, as you have articulated correctly, is, is an evidence of the fall itself in this particular generation. Now, I will add this to the, the thing. Everything goes in cycles and also in a circle. And if you look back in the earlier times of history, it was not identified as gender identity. The terms change, but the sin is the same. In the days of Noah, those sins were very, very active there. In, in, in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, these same sins were there. In the days of the Roman Empire, I'm just using a few examples. Uh, in the Roman Empire, everything we're dealing with now, we are mirroring what they were doing then. They just, they just use different terms. Um, and so as you're listening to this today, you know, you may be a parent, you, you could be a student, whatever your, your place in life is, and you're like, man, this is something we've never dealt with before. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 identifies these very things 2,000 years ago. And so what we want you, as you listen to know, is there is an answer. Uh, I, I will throw this in, into the mix and it will be more what we deal with in the next episode next Thursday. But because of our lack of understanding of the grace of God, we've, we've often shoved aside the discussion of that needs to be. And, and I can think about that in my own life. We will have discussions and give grace in areas we struggle with. But areas we don't struggle with, you know, we want to bring the hammer in that. But God tells us to deal with it all the same. And so, so I want to apologize to anybody that I would have ever in the past not have shown grace to. Uh, and and I, I think that's a healthy thing because if someone comes and hears this podcast and knew me from 10 years ago, they, they would say, I'm not going to listen to that guy. And, and so I, I don't want that to be in my life. I, I want to be gracious and help because God is a God of mercy. In grace. Amen. But at the same time, um, truth absolutely is is what's the most important right. thing. Yeah. And so Which we don't uh, apologize no, for. We don't because no. um it, it'd be odd if I went to the doctor and uh, I was diagnosed with a disease mm -hmm. and I know I have that disease and then he would apologize for there being a disease. That's right. I would I would be like, Well, does that mean you gave me this disease? Mm -hmm. Like is it your fault that I have this? I mean, but, but the truth remains the same. I have that disease. Mm -hmm. uh, but for us, we're helping us understand uh, through this working through uh, that ultimately all of humanity has a disease. That's and so though you don't struggle with this directly, um, you do struggle with something. And it's because mm -hmm. of, of that original fall. It's because we live in a, a broken world. And so, but 
um, when we also talk through this, and, and we are speaking truth, but we're, we're, we also have to come to t- terms is, is then why do we believe that this mix of gender identity, the uh, relations with the same sex, why do we believe that God is against that? Um, those are the ones that we have to answer. And, and we know from the previous episodes that we talk through where our source of truth comes from. Uh, there are some that don't hold the Bible as the ultimate uh, source of truth, and we understand that. But from our perspective, through that lens of Scripture, we would advocate that anything that differs from God's original design would be that of, of sin. Do you want to go in deeper with that? Or? I, I, I think we, we have to. Uh, Some things people say, well, why does the church in some areas not stand up as strong whereas they do in other areas? Yeah, and they like to use, uh, I think most of the time what I see on message boards or or interactions is, why are you so against who I'm with and at the same time have people in your church that have been through multiple divorces or... Um, or a you know have wrong business practices or um, or a liar and, and and they start mentioning in in its poor form of justification of of their actions as well. Yeah, it, it's it's like people build a big fire in somebody else's yard so that nobody will see the small fire in their own yard. We get that. Mm-hmm. I I get that. But for for us, we want to be consistent all the way across. And so when I'm working with someone and they're on their fire. You can say, well, they got a fire over there. That that's absolutely true. But we're we're loving you uh, in this moment. And when I go back and and look at all all of this through, through the lens of Scripture, uh, I I realize, for example, the the hurt when when you the real core is this: who's in charge of your life? If if there is a Creator, then we have an obligation to obey the one that created us and for our purpose. But if there's not a creator, then then you know then you can, you can say I feel this way because I'm the one who's in charge, and in for, coming from the messy truth definition, you talked about gender dysphoria and how hurtful that is yeah. what you go through. But I, I was reading on down through, and you use the definition of transgender is the definition of someone who perceives misalignment between their gender identity and biological sex. And then in, in the copy that I'm looking through now, and this kind of speaks to, to who's in charge of your life, the very definition of a trans woman or a transgender woman is this. A woman biologically born as male who might express gender dysphoria and or decide to, or decide to transition. So that, that suggests in the very beginning moment that they knew when I look at my body, I'm not created for what I'm trying to do with it. And so that that becomes an issue of lordship. And that goes all the way back that Adam and Eve said in the very beginning, God, you created me. I want to live this way. And we don't know how long they did. Uh, Gruden talks about the, the beautiful order that they were, they were not fighting over their role. But as soon as they rebelled from that moment of God's authority, now all authority was out. And so when my, my heart does break, and earlier when I said I apologize if I've hurt anyone, I don't apologize if they were hurt by the truth because I'm trying to do the surgery to bring that. I, I would have been apologized the fact that I did not take the time to listen to, through with them. 
But now having listened through and listen, when a man says to me, I don't like the way God created me, then we know that is a rebellion issue that whether you're stealing bubble gum, whether you're an alcoholic, or whether you rob a bank, all of that's rebellion against God. And, and you have to come to a place, really, you say, this is too simple, but I don't believe it is. It's simple in saying it, but it's hard to do. Who do you want to lead your life? That changes everything. Amen. And, and as I think through that, I also am mindful of there's some things that even as we're talking about, it may be confusion. You see, we've already identified uh, that we believe that there are two, uh, we would say genders, because we don't excuse uh, the biological sex from the gender itself. That's right. Uh, but through all of these uh, gender uh, expressions um, or, or what people may hold to, that is a, a way that uh, causes that confusion to where you're almost forced upon to receive it as such. And so when we think through that and we're thinking through how we identify this as a sin, we still take up the stance that there are uh, two genders based off the biological sex, based off of Scripture. And so that, that is the viewpoint we're going through. And so when we look at this and we say, okay, we're identifying that things that are apart from God's original design or original intentions for mankind would fall into sin, which sin, as we've already identified in the past, is things that displease God, that goes against his will, um, and, and they can be as simple as lying, um, taking something that's not yours, coveting or wanting something that you can't obtain, uh, where it consumes you. It could be, um, you know, different, many different things. So sometimes uh, we value uh, differing sins, as we've talked about, and, and we place other sins above our own. Uh, to kind of, as you, as through your illustration would say, uh, to hide ourselves and make us not feel as bad as, as we are. But at the same time, when we look at this and this subject, we would say that people who desire to live in such a way that goes against the order that God has created, they are in sin. And so, uh, so how do we get to that point where we would say they are in sin? What are some supporting scriptures um, that may not necessarily even be just in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. Well, the, the major section of Scripture is Romans 1, 18 through 32, where that Paul builds the case that when we are born, we're born, and the Bible says, in unrighteousness and ungodliness. Ungodliness means you live as if God does not exist. Unrighteousness assumes that what God sets in line is not the way to live. And so what happens is God then goes, goes down and begins to identify the actions that we exhibit when we are living as if he does not exist and he has no authority. And, and in that listing, there is the things that people would, that you used as illustration that might say to the, to the transgender or a different gender identity that they would use to say, hey, they're just, they're just picking on you. Well, Paul, Paul picks on everybody. Yes. I mean, he, he, and, he, and he summarizes it in Romans 3 and 23 and says, for all, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you're tracing or tracking in the Bible, just, just an example of, of some of the ones that he uses, he uses this. He says that men are filled with all manner of, or all types of unrighteousness. He's evil. He's coveting. He's malicious. He's full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, gossip. 
He's slanderer. He's a hater of God. He's insolent. He's haughty. He's boastful. He's an inventor of evil. He's disobedient to his parents. He's foolish. He's faithless. He's heartless. And he's ruthless. That's just, that's just one little section from chapter 1. And to get the quote right, verses 28 down through verse 31. And, and for me, when I see that weight, I, I begin to realize that God is pointing out that man exhibits his sin in so many different ways. Um, whether that's a whoremonger, uh, whether that's a liar, everybody wants their way from birth. Now, you say, well, was Adam and Eve, when, uh, did they exhibit it different? Well, they, they were born as adults, so I, this illustration would apply to them. But the first, first kid that was ever born cried because that kid wanted food from the very beginning. Cain and Abel, they, they wanted what they wanted, and we saw that exhibited in chapter 4 when they became adults. First murder in the Bible because Cain did not want to do what God wanted him to do. Uh, and then Paul's very specific in Romans. He, he points out that the end result, if I identify differently that I'm created, then there is also this mechanism inside of me that says I, I am to come together with somebody else. And because of that, if I'm identifying differently, who do I want to come together with? In the, another passage that Paul uses so well, and, and, and the thing that you were key on, too, is that he doesn't just pick and choose mm-hmm. the sin that's there. He identifies really them all. Uh, but he reminds us again uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. He tells us, Or do you not know the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idol- idolaters, nor the effeminate, uh, nor the homosexuals, nor... Uh, the thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the rivalers, nor the swindlers shall inherit the God uh, or inherit the kingdom of God. So, in his assessment of this, um, we, we know that he had a religious upbringing. He knew uh, scripture, but as he talks through this, what he's helping us understand is that that all sin puts us in a position that is. Uh, it, in, in at odds with God. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at it from that, this helps us understand of why it is important for us not to view sins um, in, in an uneven way, uh, but instead be grounded that they all carry the same weight. And you mentioned Romans 3.23, which identifies us all as sinners, but Romans 6.23 also reminds us that there's a consequence to That's that right. sin. And that there's a wage to be paid. Just as when we work a job, we expect to get paid at the end of the week. Um, well, the, there's a wage to our sin, and, and that is death. Um, yeah, and I want to pick up right there because you're tracking right along the way that I believe the Lord wants us to track. As a consequences of the wages of sin being death, we automatically go to the eternal death, yeah. which is separation from God and eternity in hell, which is God did not create that for us. We choose that. But part of that curse of death, of the penalty, is the death of future generations, is that we sometimes minister to. And you say, what do you mean by that? If a person identifies as a transgender in that moment, they are also saying, I don't want to do the other parts that God would say if you're in the divine order uh, that you're supposed to be. And so who do they leave up? For example, someone would say, hey, I've got that that in line. I'm going to adopt and, I, and I'm thankful for people that care about uh, other people that don't have people. and they care. That, That's a good trait. And, you know, and, and some of God's identity is even left in us after the fall. 
And so that good, anything good comes from God, James 1.17 says. So, but then you think, well, where did that child come from that they're adopting? Well, they're having to, even in that moment, to identify and say, I believe that that order had to be right for some, or I wouldn't have this here. And so the death begins to fall out and divide in so many ways. And, you know, and the hurt is there because the fight that people have now is the acceptance in society. I know that that will be more of our discussion in next Thursday's podcast. But here, what death that is, the death to a family that cannot be together and to accept that there's there's always going to be that oddity uh, that is there. But the main thing, though, is that Christ says, that's what you're getting this to, yeah. that Christ says there is the redemption. And somebody would say, how, do, how does that look? The Bible says God demonstrated his love to us, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died for several things. He died one so that the wrath that was intended for our, our sin, he took that. He took that in my place. So if God's going to give me grace, I want to give grace to someone else. But not only does it deal with the penalty of sin itself, but it breaks the power of sin. That is for me, the power of sin is, one man said it this way recently to me. He said it was as if I had a new outlook on life. And the reason he had the new outlook on life, because spiritual 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he had become a new creation. And, uh, Rosa Butterworth, in her wonderful book, writes about that. She, she writes about the beauty of coming to a new birth. And for those of you that are, that are listening today, I, I just want to tell you from my heart that God gave me a new birth as a young man that set me on a course, not on a perfect course, and that's because sometimes I want to be Lord. But when I follow him, I, I'm on a course that's right, that's redemptive. And, and you know, God can do that for anybody. I'm not saying to anybody that, hey, I'm the one that's right. I'm just pointing them to Christ's model. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about the redemption and its implications is that there was an exchange that took place, mm -hmm. the exchange of my old self mm -hmm. and then the new self. I mean, we're reminded uh, in 2 Corinthians five seventeen that if anyone's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. Or even um, in the mindset of... in. Uh, uh, for uh, verse 15, when it says, we no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So we have a new purpose to live for. Now, I understand that I have a new purpose um, through the redemption. I understand that, that as I grow in my faith, I'm going to desire more things of God and, and Jesus. That's the sanctification that we're being made in his image uh, through the rest of our lives. So salvation is not a one-time one moment or event. It's a lifetime. Moment. That's right. Now, we receive the grace at that moment, but we grow in that grace until he calls us home. But that does not mean, right, that we still won't struggle uh, with temptations along the way, right? It's not like the devil just quit on us, <laughs> on, on, on steering us away from God. So what do you say uh, to those, or how do you help those through that say, you know, I am saved, I believe I'm, I believe I'm saved, but I'm still, I'm still gay. Mm -hmm. How do you help them through that? You, first of all, you hopefully 
teach consistently the power of salvation mm-hmm. because there is the possibility, and I see it happen, that God completely takes away in that moment. It's all a matter of the word surrender. Some of us begin slow. Some people are good in the middle of a race. Some people are better at the end of a race. It's it's all what you give yourself to. My dad, he would tell you his sin of choice was uh, he was a heavy smoker. And my dad said that the day that he got saved, he tried to quit a hundred times. He never again had that desire for that cigarette. Now you say, well, that's that's a rarity. I think that is that is can be you if you give a full effort to that. But at the same time, you may want to give a full effort, but if you've had so many years in the other that now you're learning. And so if you pray to receive Christ and you, you just read your Bible one day a week, it's not going to progress as fast. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you read the Scripture and you're consistent and you dive in, if you have somebody that's going to mentor you and walk with you, they're, they're going to help you get better and better. Uh, in, in the book I was quoting from Rosa Butterworth, she said that after about a year, even though she knew that that would be a struggle, she positioned herself in a place where it would not be a struggle. I mean, my dad did that. He didn't, he didn't go into stores and, and hang out where they were smoking. You know, a lot of people make it worse on themselves. But I'm telling you that the struggle gets better and better because yeah. they're saved. Then you, then you, you surrender. When you surrender, it says, God, I'm no longer going to listen to my mind. I'm going to listen to what you say. And, and that's a whole different podcast for us as we we've been saying this until yeah, we think about so we do a hundred of them but yeah I, I believe with all my heart chris that when you surrender here's what you say you have the mind of christ and you're now saying when the thought comes up you're just like i'm not going to do that second Corinthians 10 3 through 5 take every thought captive to christ it's a journey i promise you you listen it's going to get better i i, I, I the sin of my past uh, at one point it was extremely in my life but when i surrendered at this day, I have the barriers in my life where I can't do it, but I also have this that God is changing my mind, save, surrender, and spirit filled. Mm. Yeah, and one of the things that I've tried to uh, work through, and 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 as I've interacted with people, is to help understand that uh, the difference between a temptation and an action. That's right. And and oftentimes it's like, well, um, and, and and really, I guess uh, the illustration with my sister again. Um, on surface level, she believes that she's saved, um, but the moment of surrender hasn't fully taken place. So, so for her, the attraction issue is I'm no longer ever or will be attracted to men. She's she said that clearly. Um, but we also have to understand, and and I've tried to help her through this, is that it's not just that attraction element. It's who are you surrender to? Who are you? Uh, who's the Lord of your life, right? And so uh, we can also come out of this, um, or or even someone who has had issues with divorce uh, through the years, or um, pornography, or or any of those things, uh, and come to realization that maybe for some of us, God's not called us to be with other people in that right. way. Um, for some of us, uh, God has called us to to remain single, not because it's uh, to you know uh, hurt us or um, a consequence, or but it could be that he has something greater in store. And when we look at the Apostle Paul, I mean, he mm-hmm. reminds us of that, that it is it is better to remain single as him for the sake of ministry. 
because uh, you can do more in the sake of ministry. So, so for those who are still struggling in that area, like I'm, I'm saved. I believe I'm, you know, a Christian, but I can't get over that. I believe you're correct in saying so it starts at surrender. It starts with the lordship, but also coming to terms that God has a different plan for each of us. And when he created us, he didn't create us by mistake, but with a purpose mm-hmm. that we would bring him glory while we're here, bring others to a knowledge of who he is um, until he shall, you know, call us home. And so it's a good thing to walk them through. And we, we'll, we'll talk through, I guess, more of this in mm-hmm. our next podcast next week uh, because we'll be able to identify the church's role in that and helping people through that. And we'll be able to help um help us navigate it a little bit more yeah. um, as, as we're weeding through policy ourselves. You know, I want to clarify one thing, and I, I'm sure you were clear. I just, with my old age, I didn't hear it correctly. Yeah. When, when you said that God's, God has different plans for different people and a perfect purpose, and you said some of that is singles, you were not saying that God's purpose for somebody just to identify as gay and stay single. No. You were, and, and, and I want the yeah. hearers to hear that. Uh, because God does have perfect plan. His plan is this, either that you live your life single for him, for the glory of God, or you live your life married married with him for the glory of God. And if death comes to you, uh, we do believe God's got a second chance. If divorce comes, it is it, it is wrong. Uh, but if it comes, for, and there are reasons that God allows that in Scripture, and then there's times we've already talked about it before, they're not. If there's death that comes, there could be singleness again. There could be married a second time. But those are the roles that God has. If he, if he made you a man, he has certain roles yes. that he has for your life. And, and we hope that this really, really helps you. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there are a ton of questions. This has stirred a ton of, ton of feelings, uh, a ton of opinions. I, there, You probably are saying there's some blind sides that, Keith, you have and Chris that you have. And you know what? We want you to we want you to reach out. If this is the case, we want you to reach out and say, "Give us your your, your emails. Give us your thoughts with that." And and you know we love you. Uh, we you say, "Will you love me as I am?" I do. You're, you're you and I both are sinners who needed a savior, and by the grace of God, God let Christ come into my life to be my savior that changed everything. But I'm still on the path. And so we want you to do that, and we promise you this will come at it from, from, from a biblical, biblical worldview that says God loves you and he has the perfect plan for your life. So you can reach out to us on our socials. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're, we have our church website at jacksonfbc.com. Um, and then also you can email us at 315 at uh, jacksonfbc.com. That's 315 at jacksonfbc.com. And we hope and we pray that through this podcast uh, that we would be enlightened to the truths of God's word. Have a blessed day and we look forward to talking to you in our next podcast.